Welcome to another episode of the Average Ontario Anglers Fishing Podcast. I'm your host this week. It's Andrew, and as a guest, we have uh, Jesse, as usual, and we also have Drew. Now, don't get confused. My name is starts with an A-N, and uh, his just finishes off with a Drew. So, uh, that's <laughs> that was the dumbest joke you're going to hear tonight, hopefully. But we're, we're exciting because this podcast is all about ice fishing. We talked a little bit about it last last week too, but this year I'm getting pumped. It's 2024 now, and I can't wait for you know the time I can be out on that hard water and and get going. So I'm excited to learn a lot from Drew today because he is uh, he's a hammer when it comes to ice fishing. This guy knows knows his stuff. As usual, we're gonna start off with an interesting fishing fact though, which Jesse has prepared that is completely unknown to myself or drew as to what the topic is so we'll see if we deem it as interesting or not all right so feel free to again this is our first guest in a while so feel free just to you know talk and go along with this this is an interesting one i kind of really liked the fishing podcast we did a few months ago about uh different fears remember we did the one about fishing fears and we kind of covered a lot of topics from like getting struck by lightning and hypothermia and grass carp stuff like that so I was actually thinking, what are some fears that pertain more to ice fishing? Don't judge me by the pronunciation of these words because I can't pronounce half of them because some of these fears, the pronunciation of what they are is pretty complex. So I'm going to try my best at it. So the first one is actually called pegophobia, which is the fear of ice. So that's not good for ice fishing. Imagine being an ice fisherman, an ice angler, and you're absolutely terrified of ice. <laughs> and these people are not only just scared of ice in large areas, but they also can be afraid, terrified even, of ice cubes in drinks. That's how bad their fear is of ice in their drinks. Now, you may think, obviously, fears are there for different reasons. People have fears of different things. Why would someone be afraid of ice? What what could have caused this? Because you're probably just not born with a fear of ice because ice is a natural thing, right? Sensitive teeth. Yeah, sensitive teeth for <laughs> sure. But you might have a near-death experience or traumatic experience with ice or snow. We may think of like, you know, maybe you're ice fishing and you actually, you know, fell in the water and were under the ice. That would be something traumatic and that might give you this uh, pagophobia, which is the fear of ice. So that's one thing that, it's a weird, not a weird fear. I guess it's always a fear, I guess, of mine when we're ice fishing that you always see those movies when someone crashes through the ice and they're underneath the ice and they can't find the hole. <laughs> that's terror. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like that's super terrifying. So that, that is one of the fears. That's the most, probably one of the more normal ones we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so there's another one, which is, it's not very weird. It's called cryrophobia, which is the fear of the extreme cold. So as an ice angler, having the fear of cold is probably something you don't want to have because generally speaking, except in Ontario, apparently, it gets pretty cold in the winter, especially when you're on the lake. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've been out on like, you know, Simcoe or whatever, and you get those like 40 minus 40 kilometer per hour, you know, winds that are minus 40 and it just freezes. Like Andrew, I remember his mustache just froze up yeah. last year. <laughs> All the droplets. You got the eyelids are frozen. Everything's frosted. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've been there. So that's a legitimate fear. <laughs> and this fear oftentimes is caused by someone um, that may live in a very, very cold area of the world, like somewhere like up in the mountains or like, you know, we're talking the Arctic, uh, Northwest Territory, something like that. And it obviously has, you know, some basis, obviously, because if it's freezing cold, that's obviously something dangerous or something that we should fear. So that's another fear. Now, another one, which is actually, I think the funniest one that I found <laughs> is this is called tripophobia, which may sound slightly kinky, but it is, <laughs> it is the fear of holes so imagine you're ice fishing and you don't know your buddy has this phobia and you drill a hole through the ice he looks down and just starts screaming his head off because this fear is the fear of holes and for whatever reason maybe it's the fear of the unknown of what might come out of the hole or maybe you just look into the hole and you know you don't know what's going to come up maybe something scary but that's a, a legitimate fear that apparently 
is not super uncommon to have. Now, you got to bring him to a crappy lake for sure and just drill a big grid of holes. I was thinking, what what kind of a toilet does he use that doesn't have a hole in the bottom of it? It's a serious problem, Andrew. So that that's one fear that it sounds random, but I mean, there's people are afraid of so many different things, obviously, but that's I found that's one that for an ice fisherman would be terrible. It's like you said, if you're crappy fishing, like oftentimes when we're perch fishing, we're just running gun. We're drilling holes, drilling holes, drilling holes. And it's not just sitting in one spot all day. So every time you drill a hole, your fishing buddy just starts freaking out. And you have to calm him down. So if you do have these fears, man. We're not making fun of them. This is a serious thing. But these are things that if it does happen, at least you know now what's going on. So the last fear, it really applies to Andrew and Drew here. It doesn't so much apply to ice fishing, but these are things that you could possibly see while you're ice fishing. You have a guess what it is? Uh, blizzard. It, it's called It's called poganophobia. I'm not pronouncing these right at all. It's a severe fear of beards and mustaches. I'm not seeing that. You're seeing that, Jesse. (laughs) Ah, I like that This condition can make it difficult to function in a lot of social situations where people may have beards, which oftentimes outdoorsmen, not so much outdoors women, but mostly outdoorsmen have facial hair of some kind, as I'm trying to grow right now. But that's something. So say you're ice fishing and... yeah. Say you're ice fishing and you go up to a guy and he's catching fish. You're like, hey, how's it going? He turns around and he has a full beard and you're just like, ah. So of all these fears, they're all pretty serious. But which one would you say would be the most scary for yourself? Hopefully not the beard one. Why don't you go first, Drew? Probably just like the fear of ice in general. I mean, that would be terrible. If you want to try ice fishing and you're scared of ice, probably not the place you want to be. But that's a bad one, man. The fear of ice in a cup too, like that's, that's mind blowing. For me, I'd say, yeah, being afraid of the ice because you, you, ice fishing comes with the fact that you have to trust your instinct and your, your knowledge of the conditions of the ice that you are on and trusting your life with. So anything to, to, that would decrease your trust in, in that ice you're standing on is, is just going to be a bad situation. But I kind of understand the fear of holes because anytime I, I go ice fishing and I'll like pull my phone in my pocket, I'm just like, the chance of this, if it falls, 100% is going to fall yep. in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have that fear of holes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, again, we're not making fun of people if, if you have these fears. I just found it interesting and some of these fears related to ice fishing. So we'll let Andrew take us back to the main topic of what is it? Ice fishing essentials. Ice fishing essentials. So Jesse and I, we have talked about a little bit about ice fishing before. Uh, the great thing about seasons two, when it's starting now for the podcast this year, is we're actually going to be hitting prime ice fishing time. So we'll have more of an opportunity to talk about this stuff. And Jesse and I, we've we've done ice fishing for years together. I lived on up on or close to Lake Simcoe, so I used to frequently go and you know fish for perch through the ice. Just a, a classic pastime for me. I still love to do it when I can get out there, but I am excited because Jesse, uh, like both Jesse and I were very limited in our ice fishing experience. I would say we have, like I've caught a, a rainbow through the ice singular. I've caught one. <laughs> I know Jesse, he's still trying to get a lake trout under his belt. Um, you know, I've caught, I've caught a, a handful. Maybe we've each caught some, some decent perch. But that's about the extent. I just caught a couple pike. I've yet to catch a pike through the ice. So we we're still pretty green when it comes to uh, the actual firsthand knowledge of ice fishing. And yeah, you can read a bunch of books, but when you get to talk to someone like Drew here who has real life experience doing it, there's so much you can glean from someone someone like that. So we have some awesome questions that we have ourselves, and we also then at the end we'll have some questions from our Instagram. Uh, followers that who were able to post some on a, on a post Jesse did recently. So we're going to talk about some of the, the skills and everything from basics, from beginners to advanced tips for guys who've been ice fishing as well, their whole lives maybe. So let's start off with uh, Ontario, or what do you like about ice fishing? What do I like? What do I love about it? Oh, there's, there's, there's so much to talk about and so much to love about it. But I would say, honestly, 
it's such a short window. You know what I mean? You've only really got a good maybe two, two and a half months. Not this year, obviously, but normally the year. It's, it's getting it's shorter. Getting shorter and shorter, unfortunately. Um, but I would say, honestly, the thing I love the most is the opportunity that it brings. You can go out there. You can go to a pothole back lake that has just, say, rainbow trout. And you can drill in five feet of water, put your hut up, you could drill a sight hole. And you can actually, it's like you're in a fish tank. You know what I mean? You can experience that whole, that whole deal is amazing. There's so many opportunities that, 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 that you have, like back lakes that maybe you cannot put a boat on. You can never put a boat on it. Well, now if it's locked up, you can walk across, you can walk through the bush. There's just so many adventures to the sport. I just, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so that, that does really well. Even the second question I was going to ask is like, why should people try it? The accessibility is, is huge. It's huge. Not, not everybody has like a truck and boat, right? Not, not everybody has a truck and boat or like even a kayak or they might not have anything. So when the lake is locked up, you can walk out there and you can ice fish and you can go exploring. You can, I'm telling you, it's like Ontario is such a beautiful place and there's so much lakes. There's more than just Lake Simcoe. There is so much opportunity on the ice. It's yeah. crazy, man. And most people I, I find when, when you mention ice fishing, I would say majority of, of perhaps even our listeners would say, what, what comes to mind? What, what body of water comes to mind when you say ice fishing? Lake Simcoe, ice fishing capital of the world. Like people, people come from all over to fish that lake. But it's, I'm sure. Like, would you say that, in your experience, is ice fish is Lake Simcoe your favorite place to go ice fishing, or are there so many other great opportunities? I'm not asking for GPS coordinates here for your favorite lake. I mean, well, not during the recording. We'll ask after, but. <laughs> So I've been fishing Lake Simcoe for the better part of my life. I've lived here for 30 plus years. I've been on the lake for pretty much my whole life. And to be honest with you guys, I would say realistically 10 to 15 years ago, that lake was, it was something else. It was special. It was unbelievable. Now I'm not the, I don't really, I try not to be on it as much as I can. I've done a lot more Muskoka trips lately especially being like a lake trout dude. Um, there's so many opportunities in Ontario to, to chase after lake trout. But everybody seems to think that Lake Simcoe is the only place you can go and catch a 20-pound lake trout, but that's not true, right? There are lakes around here that do have 20, 25-pound trout in it. The problem with Simcoe now, now is it is way overpressured, way overpressured, and it's becoming a problem in my opinion. you got way too many people out there, and the limits – I think the limits, they could maybe work with those a bit because the lake's just getting, it, it's not, it's like 15 years ago, you could walk out there, you could catch 10 trout all by yourself, 10 trout, no problem. Now you're lucky in a day, man. Like you're lucky to, to drive into one or two of them. Honestly, it's, it's, it's becoming really tough out there now. Yeah. And even just the fact of how much our winters have been changing, like lakes that affects mm-hmm. Lake Simcoe so much because when I lived in Lake Simcoe, you know, that was, that's going back eight, eight to 10 years now when I was out there and, and I would drive my old Cavalier out all the time. Like but when January hit, there was a foot and a half of ice out there. Easy. Tons Easy. of ice. Tons. There, there were so yeah. many years I'd have to get an extension for my auger to drill through the, you know, the almost three foot of ice by hand. Like it was nuts. Yeah. But I remember a couple of years ago, they had the huts out for maybe like a month and a half. Like the hut runners, they couldn't get them out there and they couldn't run their yeah. big, you know, machines and stuff. So just because I guess it's a, it's a large lake, uh, it's, it's especially on the trout grounds and whatnot. If you're not, you know, in the bay or something like that, or between the islands, it can be a, a hard lake to actually freeze over to get access to the areas you want to be on. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a few different issues that are kind of pressuring or hitting that now. I was going to say, I, I bought an extension for one of my augers a few years ago, I haven't had to use it. Literally, like, <laughs> again, we fish Simcoe mostly for perch and stuff. But back in the day, we, we had to use, we had an auger with an extension because we had just a power drill, like a DeWalt drill with our auger. And, you know, you could get through maybe 24 inches ice with that. But then you'd be hitting the drill. So we bought an extension so we could 
we'd be drilling over 30 inches, but the last five years I haven't had to use the extension. Yeah. In the areas we're fishing, there's literally not more than 24 inches ice ever. It's wild. It saddens me big time. <laughs> it, know who it makes happy though. It makes happy people with a fear of ice because <laughs> slowly it's just melting. So with, with the amount of, um, of stuff that like you've gone fishing in a few different areas. So tell us a bit about yourself. So you, you do guiding, right? Just, yeah. So this is the second year now. Yeah. Nice. Year two. Yeah. Just started. So what's, what's your uh, company name then your guiding name? DC hooked guiding. Fantastic. And do you primarily, are there any lakes you primarily go on that you, you guide on? Generally it's going to be Lake Simcoe and Kuchiching and then uh, Lake Joseph as well is, is one of my big ones too. If you want to chase big lake trout, uh, that's what I recommend, honestly, is Lake Joseph. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you book in with me and you say, no, no, I want Lake Simcoe, then we go to Lake Simcoe, right? But generally those two bodies of water, yeah. Fantastic. And how how would we would someone contact you then? If you're looking to get some guiding services, we'll make sure we get we get you plugged for sure. Yeah, uh, well, the best ways right now is basically my Instagram. That's at DC Hooked Guiding. The same with my Facebook is DC Hooked Guiding. And my phone number is linked to both as well. So you could call and text anything you want to do. You can email. It's there as well. We'll link everything down in the show notes if you're listening to this. Funny story, I actually entered a giveaway for uh, you had a lake trout, a kayak lake trout uh, giveaway. And I randomly, I saw it. And normally because... You know, we're, we're a slightly bigger account, so we don't really generally enter giveaways because I'm like, you know what? I want someone else to win. I always feel like guilty winning a giveaway. But right. for some reason, the day before, like that day when you're like, last two hours to enter, I was like, ah, what the heck? I want to catch a lake trout. So I entered and it turns mm-hmm. out that I won and I was like so happy. And you were just like, it has to be this specific day. And it turns out that was the day my buddy got married or, or it, was his, it was either his bachelor party yes. or his wedding. And I was like. Oh, I can't go. If I go, I'm going to be a huge <laughs> wiener. Yeah. And I was like trying to think in my head. I was like, how can I spin this to get out of this bachelor party? But yeah, I, I couldn't go. And <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, the one time I win something. <laughs> yeah. The one time. <laughs> but I've been following your Instagram for, for a while. And uh, I, I know people like you are very humble. But I'll, I'll toot your horn a bit right now. This guy hammers fish. Like you're looking... To fish, you know, ice fishing we're talking about, but also kayak fishing for lake trout, like jigging for lake trout, giant lake trout, and not just like one. Yeah. Like I'm watching you, you're out on, on, you know, one of those lakes and just, oh, this is fish 12 today and just these big, beautiful lake trout. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's yeah. that's an experience. Like I had the, the pleasure of fishing with another guide last year and it was a fantastic day. And I was like, I learned so much. And just the experience itself yeah. was amazing. I was like, next year, I was like to my wife, I'm booking with this guy 100%. This is before we even decided to do the podcast. So I'm not just being a butt kisser right now. <laughs> but I was like, dude, I was like, I want to catch like a legit lake, thro- lake trout in a kayak or like up doing that. So yeah. you look through through yeah. Drew's Instagram and it's, you know, big jumbo perch, big whitefish, lake trout, just insane fishing. You're a, an absolute hammer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I live, that's what I live for, man. I just, I love to fish. I love it. That's awesome. And part of the the big thing going with the guide, like Jesse said, when he went with him last year, it's not about really what you catch that day is you're getting your value from the information you can, you can get from, from guys like yourself. 100%. And I've told that to actually a couple of my clients. I said, yeah, you're paying, I'm going to bring you out and you're going to hopefully catch fish. Well, you should. But, but you're paying for the knowledge. Like you're taking home a lot of knowledge that you can apply the next time that, that you're out on the water, right? So that's a big yeah. thing too. Essentially, as, as a someone who would, who would be there with a guide, you're taking that guide. like you've been fishing, you've been guiding for a couple of years, but you're able to be a guide because you have all these years of experience, like decade over a decade of experience fishing these lakes. So all that's condensed now into this like one little visit. You're like, look, let me show you everything I can do. And that's, yes. that's what we're going to be kind of picking your brain on a bit right now is yeah. so people are going to hear a little bit of what's what, what you have to offer just enough of a, a sampling so that we can learn something now and then 
hopefully they'll want to learn more from you and give you a call in a little bit. Too. Hopefully, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And again, we'll leave the link down below. If you're interested, anyone just click the link. It'll take you to his Instagram. You can check out some of his fish pictures at least and, you know, maybe whet your appetite for the 2024 fishing season, either ice fishing or, you know, fishing open water. So what is involved in getting started? If, you, if someone has never gone ice fishing before, um, you know, maybe they're open water fishermen, but what would you recommend that is gear or equipment that they need to get in order to have a successful day ice fishing? The basics, right? You're going to need, you're going to need a hand auger. A hand auger is important to have, obviously, for making holes. You're going to need a rod, a rod and reel. You can go to Walmart even, honestly, for 20 bucks. You can get, you can get a rod and a reel for 20 bucks there. You're going to need some tackle. And like, again, if you're on a budget, you can go to Walmart and you can get a tackle pack for, for 10 bucks, right? You, you probably want to grab a bucket. It's pretty important. It's great because you can put your stuff like inside the bucket as you walk out and then you can use the bucket as your seat as well, obviously. Um, you know, that's pretty like the basics. That's like no graph, no hut. And I would say like before you even decide to even walk on the ice, you want to buy some picks. You want to buy a spud bar. You want the proper clothing and take it from experience. Um, you want the proper clothing. Trust me. Don't skimp out. Don't go to Giant Tiger and 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 spend like the thirty bucks on a coat, you know. Because I've gone through on Simcoe twice in my life, and one time was was pretty sketchy. Like it was bad. It was very bad. So I learned my lesson. So yeah, you want your ice picks. You want your proper clothing. You want your spud bar. Your spud bar is probably your best friend on the ice. I'm not kidding. The spud bar is your best buddy on the ice. It's very important. For, for anyone who doesn't know what a spud bar is, it's essentially like a, a straight heavy crowbar. And you're just, uh, you're picking at the ice in front of you as you walk, just to make sure that if that bar goes through, that means it's unsafe ice. <laughs> so you're, you're just testing the ground in front of you to make sure that it is, it is good. That's the basics. Um, and say, again, we don't have a lot of time on this podcast, unfortunately, maybe we'll have to do a part two one day, but if you were going to get into electronics, yeah, what would be the first step for you? General purpose. Like the first like sonar I would buy maybe. Yeah. Cause I know like people are like, Oh, should I get a camera? Should I get a flasher? Should I just use right. a, you know, 2d, you know? If, well, again, if you're on a budget, you can buy a Hummingbird Piranha Max for $150, right? That comes with the transducer and everything. You could buy the Garmin Striker 4, I believe. I think those I are on for yeah. two and change. Those are They're great, great units. Those are great yeah. units. They read perfectly. They read your line perfectly. They mark fish perfectly. Those are probably some of like the lower end, but still work well units, right? That I would say, yeah. One thing that we found is we did have the Striker 4, the little ice bundle, um, yep. which honestly we've been using for what, almost 10 years now. Things great. I'd say the one thing that really we enjoyed getting probably about four or five years ago was a little underwater camera, mostly using it for perch fishing because right. this particular camera, it only has a 30 foot cord. Some of the <laughs> more expensive ones have like 90 foot cords. But for perch fishing, we yeah. found that you yeah, can get yeah. a fairly inexpensive camera. We would just walk around, look for, you know, this, the normal spots we go for jumbos, drill a hole, drop the camera down, swivel it around, be like, there's nothing here. And then just keep walking, drop it down. You'd land sometimes right near, uh, you know, a whole pot of them swimming around. You just start fishing. So the camera for us was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. A Clearwater Lake, the camera's awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You can see the strike too. It's, it's exciting to see the strike. You know, you'll see, oh, like. Yeah, he's got the minnow, but he doesn't have the hook yet. And you just wait, you know, you're not preemptively setting that hook. So you're, you're landing way more fish yeah. too, if it's like a light bite. Yeah. It's it's a blast. That being said, I did use the camera on Nipissing. And that particular week we went, the water was not clear. And I dropped the camera down, like just thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to see all these walleye down there. You couldn't see three inches in front of the camera. So really, if you're looking to get a camera, my advice would be make sure you're fishing a lake that yeah. has some clarity yeah. to you. For sure. <laughs> So, so we're going to get into a few different species specific, um, you know, techniques and lures that you would recommend. Uh, we'll see how many we can get through, but starting off with perch, something that I love, I'm really excited for perch this year. So what would you recommend for techniques that someone should learn and maybe some of the, the top lures you'd recommend 
for uh, for going for for jumbos? Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, I really have never used live bait. Like I don't I don't use live bait. I don't never actually. Um, so like if you're someone again who's just starting off and you're perch fishing and you want to locate these fish, me I like the mud bottoms, like the sand flats, the the basins, if you will, right? Those deep troughs that are just mud and sand on the bottom because huge schools of perch, they're just going to roam these basins. They're going to roam these mud flats and they're eating bugs and bloodworms and whatever, right? So look, that's what I would start at as I would start. Me, I like the 20 to 30 foot range, mud bottom and dirt bottom. As far as baits go, I mean, I'm a jig and wrap guy all day long. I love... I love these little jig and wraps. I think this is a number three, Rapala. And it's just a matter of you hit bottom. And me, I bring them up off bottom two inches off bottom, like just just enough. And I snap it once and pause. And those big, fat, lazy jumbos, they will crush you on the pause. It's very important you pause for two to three seconds, right? Um, that's how I like to... That's how I like to do it on the perch end. I like to just use jig and wraps, man. I'll be honest. I don't, sometimes if they're being like weird, I'll use a slab grabber, maybe, maybe a dinner. That's belt, actually one of my favorites. Something like that. But the jig and wrap, man, I recommend like everybody ties on a number three jig and wrap and tries that and tries that out for sure. Yeah. Jesse is more successful with it than myself. I do have a couple. I, it should become more regular in, in use for me, absolutely. But the slab grabber is one that, I mean, there's there have been a couple times when you're sitting on top of a school of perch and like, you drop it down. It's like, you can't, you can't even, yeah. it doesn't hit bottom before you got another one on. Jesse and I had a run. It was like, it was like an, one hour we were on top of this school that has come by and we couldn't get our lines back in the water fast enough. You just perch after perch. Like, it's so cool. That's the that's the best, man. That is the best is when they're under you for so long and you just, and they stay yeah. there. And you're just one after the other. <laughs> yep. Especially when you have like light line, light rods. I mean, it's, it is really fun. A big jumbo on the end. Yeah. You can't beat it, man. Yeah. And one thing, uh, just to elaborate a bit about the jigging wrap, because they catch everything. It's a classic. Like you catch almost anything on a jigging wrap. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Like if there's, like if there's pike around, they're going to smash it. If there's pike around, if there's crappie around, they're going to hammer it. Right. I mean. Yeah, you catch a lot of fish on a jigging wrap, not just perch, but because we're speaking about perch, that's generally what I'm jigging. 99% of my day out there is just a number three jigging wrap. I love it. And what I think one of the awesome things too about the jigging wrap is, like Andrew said, sometimes you just got to get your lure down quick because yes. you want to keep this fish and they yes. might be starting to lose interest and a jigging wrap sinks like a bullet. It's like a some other spoons or little tungstens, they slowly flutter down or the, the tungsten's slowly going down and the jigging yeah. wrap's just like, boom, right to the bottom. It's all fast. It's fast. Yeah. And yeah, the, like that pod, they will stay. As long as you just drop it down, drop it down, drop it down, they won't go anywhere, man. They will eventually because like, but it's, it's such an effective lure for sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> again, we're going to link all of the recommended lures. So if you're interested in buying any of these, we'll, we'll just put some links down to some local tackle shops. You can support one that's close to you. Um, and definitely check that out. Cause I know a lot of people are like, Oh man, link below the lures. I want to buy the ones you're talking about, but definitely the jig wrap is one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just bought two of them at the ice fishing show. I, I had heard so many people have mm. really good success with them. Yeah. And I always, I have so many ice fishing jigs and stuff. I'm like, Oh, I don't need any new ones, but I was awesome. looking at them. Actually, we met, uh, we met uh, the guy from Guggen Squad. What was his name? Alex Perrick? Oh, Alex Perrick was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. We that. met him. It's actually yeah. a funny story because Andrew's not really, he doesn't keep up with all the like fishing politics kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, there's Alex Perrick. <laughs> and he's like, who? I was like, the guy from the Guggen Squad. And he's like, oh. I was like, go take a picture with him. He's like, oh, hi. <laughs> and they just bonded over the fact that they both had mustaches. It was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. The fashion. <laughs> but he had no idea who he was. <laughs> Which is even better. <laughs> Just Jesse pulls up a video. He's like, this is him. Like, dude catches musky. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, yeah. So definitely. So what's the next fish, Andrew? I want to hear about lake trout. Your specialty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you're talking to Drew and not Andrew saying your specialty. I, I definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've got a handful in my time. Oh, my favorite. My favorite. 
lake trout. So lake trout baits, um, where do you start? There's so many amazing baits for lake trout. Let's just go with the ones that I use on a regular basis. My top three lake trout baits that come with me every outing. Um, starting with number three is going to be your, like the obvious, the paddle tail swim bait. I got this on the Kalen's one ounce jig head. This thing destroys lake trout. It's, it doesn't matter what lake you're on. You drop this down. Great bait. Number two is going to have to be the tube. It's probably my favorite bait in general is the tube. That's a true North bait tube. Actually, that's their new six inch. This thing's a beast, a magnum. I can't wait to use this, but the tube jigs, unbelievable. Yeah, we saw those ice fishing show. They look good. And that has the stinger hook too on it, right? They do. They, <laughs> yeah, they've got the, yeah, it's right there. Just a smaller one. Nice. My favorite bait, honestly, guys, the one I catch all my PBs, all the trout you've ever seen me hold is the vertical tube. I make these myself. It's, it's my favorite way. It's, it's my favorite bait. It's unbelievable. Catches monsters, hmm. monster Lakers. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So those are my three favorite baits. So it looks like most of the baits you had are, are white. Does that seem to be the best overall color? I'm a sucker for white. Yeah. Yeah. So most of my tubes, it's either white or white and chartreuse a lot of times, but mainly all white is my go-to. They see it well in the water column. You know, they, it's just, it's just the OG bait is, is just a white tube. Right. <laughs> and then like even hair jigs, like hair jigs are so effective on lake trout. Awesome. It's, you can't go wrong with a good hair jig. White and soft plastics. <clears throat> so when you're fishing these baits, can you describe to us like the basic technique? Say you, you get to a spot, you're fishing, you drill a hole. What are you, you going to do? I'm going to drop down. So say hypothetically, if I'm in like eight, 70 feet of water, I'm going to hang my bait minimum 20 feet off bottom. And I'm going to hang it there. And you can choose to either, you can call them, climb it up and down the water as much as you want, if you want, because they cruise everywhere. They cruise all over the water. It's crazy. You can do that. You, you could just leave your rod hanging and do nothing and play on your phone and have one rise off the bottom and chase you. Um, and that, or you could just jig. You could just hang out in your hut and jig the tube until you have a chaser, right? That's what I do. I just, half of mine, I'm not even on the rod. I'm just hanging out. I'm just hanging out in the hut. I'm on my phone, blah, blah, blah. And then you look at the graph and there's a chaser. You grab your rod and you just burn it away. And they absolutely clobber it. It's it's fascinating, man. It's hmm. wild, yeah. So I just, yeah. Sorry, as soon as you see like a trout coming up on the graph or on the flash or whatever, you just start you try and get the bait away from it essentially. Yeah. So you want to, you want to make them want to chase. So like you don't just grab your rod and just burn the bait away. You don't just rifle it off because chances are they're just going to turn back down to bottom. You want to get them to chase. So me, as soon as I have a chaser on the graph, I'm lifting up my rod slow like this. I'm bringing it up slow. I'm not even reeling. I'm just lifting up the bait and she will tell you right away. She's either going to, hit the jets or she's going to just go back down nine times out of 10. As you raise your rod tip, she's going to start to scream up. Then you start to burn it. And the faster you go, the faster she goes. So <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. That's awesome. It's wild. That's when you, your heart starts pounding. <laughs> oh man. Especially in the kayak. It's, it's such an adrenaline rush, man. It's wild. Yeah. Is catching them a little off topic from ice fishing, but is catching them in the kayak like it's the exact same technique that you're doing when you're on the ice? I do the exact same thing. I literally I chill on my waypoint and I vertical jig all day long. Yeah. That's so, so I cool. That's so yeah, cool. So you you talked a little bit about um, perch locations. So you're looking for you know yep. mud sand flats and twenty to thirty foot or something like that. Uh, yep. When it comes yep. to lake trout, just overall because mostly you're going to be fishing obviously deeper deeper water for lake trout generally um, what are you looking for right. say you go to a lake and you have navionics because most people can can get that what if you're just getting into the sport what are you kind of looking for as soon as you open navionics on a new lake and you want to trout fish you're going to want to focus on main lake reefs are, are huge main lake shoals any kind of shoal or reef it, it, it's pretty much a go-to at least to start off but if you're starting off and you want to hunt down a trout, you're going to want to be near like a reef, a shoal, a, like even a hump. It could be like the slightest hump 
but just any kind of structure, to be honest, right, is very important. Because I know for myself, like I had heard before of if you're going for lake trout or deep water fish, you want to fish the deepest hole in the lake. Is that like, is that true in every case? Or you go to a lake, they have, yeah, there's a, a 70 foot hole there. There's a 50 foot hole there and a, and a, and a 45 foot hole over there. Are most of the trout going to be at that 70 foot hole or are they going to be in those other, you know, maybe not as deep, but still deeper sections of the lake or nearby them? So that's the beautiful thing about the winter time is when those temperatures hit down in the low 30s, just like they are now. The beautiful thing is lake trout, they go everywhere they want. They'll, they can be in 20 feet of water. They can be in 120 feet of water. So in the winter, like again, you could be on the side of a, the side of a reef in 70 feet of water and the top of the reef tops out at like 30 feet. There could be monsters on 30 feet of water because like the thermocline is really not there, right? I mean, the temperature is the same everywhere now. So no, like they won't all be caught. Like, they're not all freaking deep. Some are shallow, some are deep. They're cruising everywhere, right? They're cruising everywhere. Whereas the summertime, yeah, like if you go to Lake Simcoe, for example, in the summer, it's pretty obvious where you're heading, right? So yeah, no, they're pretty scattered. They're pretty scattered, yeah. So knowing that information, um, someone, I guess the, the the kind of advice would be find these these main lake area, structured areas, and then just start fishing. And the, hopefully the fish will swim around that area because they could be anywhere, like you said. Like that was actually Andrew's interesting fishing fact last week. He was talking about how the, the temperature of the lake becomes the same. So the fish, you know, they like cold water, but the whole lake's cold. So they can go wherever the heck they want. And, it, and it's all oxygenated. Yeah. So yeah. you find a good spot, a spot that looks fishy on the map and just start fishing. That's a good tip. So the, the next the next species is whitefish. Uh, the Homer Simpson of Lake Simcoe. Good old whitefish. <laughs> huh. Oh man, ugly and dumb. Um, <laughs> the old cucumber. See the, uh, and I'm using Lake Simcoe as my <laughs> examples because like that's my home lake. I guide off that lake. But um, there's two types of whitefish. It's a good base point too. Yeah. Because if, if people are, are looking to do it, there's so many hot runners. Yeah. It is accessible even if they don't want to go on their own. There's there's so accessible to be able to just rent something to go 100%. on. So that's, that's a really good base yeah. point to talk about. Um, the thing with whitefish as well is, in my opinion, there's two types of whitefish. There's the deep water whitefish and you've got the shallow water whitefish. And I'm talking in the wintertime. Me... I don't know if I've ever even targeted them deep. I catch all my whitefish in 20 to 30 feet of water, pretty shallow. Uh, <laughs> dude, I look down the hole. You can look down the hole and you watch them. They come in on, and, and you can look down them. It's pretty wild. It's pretty shallow. Um, location for whitefish. If Again, like I find it's a lot easier shallow water, so much easier. You find the right bottom. It's all about the bottom. You want to find the gobies. You want to find the right bottom, right? cobblestone bottom generally the same as lake trout man you want to find those humps shoals reefs just anywhere that these whitefish are going to slide up on in the morning and just mow down right stuff like that yeah and for for baits for whitefish you know pretty much going to talk about the two most talked about you go with the meigs jig the meigs jig is probably one of the best baits to use on Lake Simcoe. Incredible bait. My favorite bait is the Vibrato. Love this bait. It's an incredible bait. I got mine. I think I got like $500, $500 worth of these things. And they're all in the same one. I buy them in the 14 gram. I find it's the perfect weight and it's the perfect size for them to slurp it up. I caught a pretty nice burbot on uh, Vibrato in, uh, on Lake Nipissing. And yeah. I was, it was the first time I had ever used one because I heard so many good things about them and I dropped it down the hole and I started, you know, you feel, yeah. rrr, 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 and all of a sudden this thing just came up and smoked yeah. it. And I was like, Oh, that was a huge pike. It came up. It was a burbot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They love it too. The dirty burbs. Yeah. So whitefish, they, they seem like whenever I, whenever you see people talking about whitefish, it seems like, especially on like Lake Simcoe, for instance, it's a popular lake for whitefish that they are very light biters generally like say you're fishing the meigs uh the technique to to feeling the bites it's not as as easy as maybe someone might think it is yeah like it's not like 
you're not going to expect every time like a big knock on your rod tip. You know what I mean? The cool thing with whitefish is when you're working the bottom on these fish, as soon as they grab the bait, so as you're tapping, you're going to get a slack line. So it's not a bite. It's like a slack line. It's like, it's almost like it's, it's super weird. And you just know that she has it in her mouth and you got to really set it quick, but it comes in time. Like they're not, they're not as easy as you think they are to just walk out and crush whitefish. There is lots of technique to doing it. Are you someone that keeps whitefish to eat or more of a catch and release guy? I'm mainly the catch and release guy, but for the children at home here, I bring, I'll bring some home from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. We're sharing a brain cell, Jesse, because I was going to ask that. And I was going to ask how, how do you like to prepare whitefish then? I just pan fry it. I batter it and pan fry it. Very simple. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say rare. And I was like, I just ripped the meat right off and eat it, man. Like a man. <laughs> beer grill style. <laughs> There's still some whitefish scales in his beard from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard from several people. I've never had it myself, but I've heard that whitefish is like a delicacy. It's very good. They are very so maybe good. Maybe this, maybe this winter, I'll try it myself if I can master the meigs. <laughs> just, just make sure though that you bleed them out. Like, uh, it, like it's better to bleed them out because if you don't bleed them out and then you get that bloodline in them, they can be really fishy, like really fishy. If you slip their throat and you bleed them out properly, they take, they're just mwah, they're delicious. That's, that was my experience. Cause I, I had a guy, we went ice fishing and he caught, we caught one lake. We caught, we were going for lake trout. He caught one white fish. And so he's like, yeah, white fish is good. We're going to keep it. And he cooked it for me and it, it just it didn't taste good. And it kind of turned right. me off. So I, I have heard since like, it's amazing meat. And I, I couldn't understand it because the one experience I had this guy, yeah, he caught it, just threw it on the ice outside. And that was it. That's yeah. how he dispatched that yeah. fish. And that makes sense. And that that's the yeah. issue. Cause yeah, I've, I've noticed that with, with any fish, as soon as you can like, you knock them out, you slide the throat or you, you cut the gills and, and you get that blood yeah. out. The meat inside is so much cleaner every it's single time. Anything that I've, that I've a hundred percent. The last thing you want on a, you know, a beautiful cold water, fresh ice fishing fish is to, for it to not taste good. Yeah. You know, we're not huge fish eaters <laughs> ourselves, but when we go ice fishing, we always like to keep, you know, some perch or whatever we can catch. Cause that's generally the best time of the year that the fish tastes the best. Mm, yeah. Best time. Yeah. So definitely uh, bleeding them is a big thing for, yeah. for any kind of fish you catch throughout the, the year, but definitely for white fish too. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I have another species that, that if you, if you can speak on it, do you ever take people out and target pike? Cause pike, pike through the ice is something that like, I, yeah. I, I've been fascinated with for a long time, but oh, I, I, any tips you have on targeting pike through the ice is. Oh yeah. Like me, like me personally, like I go to Kuchiching and I drill a hole in it seems to be like the 14 to 15 foot range that you can still see the bottom, but you're on the weed line. You want to find that weed line. It's very important, right? As soon as you find so the still weed like there, growing green weeds still, like they're still yeah. growing because they still you're still going to see a okay. lot. Yeah. You're still going to see a lot of weeds and crap. They might all be dead, but they're still down there. As soon as you find that edge of like weeds to the sand there, you sit there and you look down your hole even, man, and you just rip big spoons. That's what I do. I love to rip big spoons. And man, I sight fish them on Kuchiching. They come in under my hole and like pairs of twos and stuff. It's wild. They're fighting <laughs> over it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, they, I know they like they get excited because they're they're getting like under the ice. They they've spawned under the ice before. Like they yeah like, the cold temperature. People don't realize like because we catch a bunch of hammer handles in the summer when we're fishing bass. People don't realize that the big pike, like actual northern pike, they yeah. they love cold water. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd they say are, probably, they are so aggressive. Yeah. They're aggressive in the winter. I've seen it. I sight fish them and like, it's crazy, man. How, how aggressive they actually are. Yeah. Some of the biggest pike I've caught have been through the ice on, on Cook's Bay. And most of the time it's when I'm perch fishing. Like I, we had the video camera on underneath the, where we were fishing and I had caught a pretty decent pike the day, like the week before. So I went back and I actually set up a tip up with some dead bait. And then I was jigging in for perch and I was like, oh, if a pike swims by, cause they swim by all the time, you'll see a big pike just swim by. I was like, hopefully he'll grab that dead bait, but I'm fishing in this. I saw this big pike swim by and he swam and I was like, oh, he's going to grab that, you know, that 
the chub or whatever dead bait I had. And he just swam right up to my little one inch spoon and just smoked it. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Caught this huge yep. pike over 36 inch long on, you know, three pound fluorocarbon leader and a little tiny little oh, tungsten. tungsten jig. <laughs> yeah. But they're fun to catch. And I, I think a lot of people like Andrew said is just like, they don't really think of fishing for them, but they're fantastic to fish for. They are fun. Absolutely. So yeah. we have some, some of the listener questions as well. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead before we get to that. One more question for you from our list of things is you've already shown yourself as very knowledgeable. <laughs> I'm impressed. I hope all of our listeners are too, but what are some <laughs> things that if you could go back in time and tell your younger self, uh, things that you wish that you knew or things that you would recommend to anyone starting out that this is the first thing you should learn or or like any any tips like that that you would recommend for for someone just kind of starting out get them on on a better footing than you or I had when we started. <laughs> oh, it's a tough one. Get get good boots. That's my tip. You said before about getting the right clothing. Get get good boots. The first thing to take you off that ice is frozen toes. A hundred percent. You're so you're so right. Like, <laughs> and I can't stress enough about the proper clothing thing. Like, I've been out there on minus thirty, minus forty days with. 50k winds blowing and i'm telling you it's worth it to spend the extra money on the proper boots the proper socks the proper coat everything everything like that um stuff that i like if i could tell myself back then if i could go back i would have told myself that exact stuff right there to buy yourself picks <laughs> buy yourself a spud bar and buy yourself some proper clothing would probably be the biggest thing i would have told myself back then man it's cool. Like, like sa- safety is the best thing or the most important thing. Be like, look, the number one, it's the number one thing. There's no fish is worth anybody's life. At the end of the day, some of us and me, like, like I'm a diehard. I do crazy things. I was on two inches of ice, like two days ago, man, with like open water right beside me. I love the sport, but like safety is just number one, number one for sure. So I do have, like Andrew mentioned, I do have a lot of uh, questions. We did post a poll on Instagram. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure you check us out at Average Ontario Anglers. Every so often before we record a podcast, we'll put up a question. Uh, It'll be like, ask us anything. And I said, what questions do you want to ask Drew on this podcast? And we actually got about 45 or 50 questions. Wow. So we won't have time to read all of these, but I'm going to I'm going to try to read the ones that we didn't cover already, because a lot of these are questions that we kind of already you already talked about. So we're going to talk. And what we like to do with these questions is answer them in 30 seconds or less. I know me and Andrew, oftentimes we learned our lesson. We'll talk on a question, just rant on it for like 20 minutes and be like, well, now we're over time. So So here's a question. This was actually a common question. Carson Lockhart says, when's the lake going to (laughs) freeze? And he's probably talking about Simcoe. When do you think? I think, uh, Late January, I think she'll be good to go. As long as the temperatures that I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing like minus 19 overnights with the wind chill. If they proceed like that, I would say late January, yeah. Maybe even sooner. It could be sooner, like walkable ice. Again, if you have a spud bar and you have ice picks, maybe could it could be sooner. But, you know, late January, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Another person asked this question. This is Hiker9596. He says... How far do you have to travel for safe ice right now? Right now, I found some safe ice up in the Nipissing area about two weeks ago, but it, it was two to three inches. So it was that's about a three-hour drive from Barrie North. And if you're listening to this right now, this episode we're talking is going to be released January 14th. So we're actually recording this now at the beginning of January. So these, these time frames may be a little bit off, but... We'll do our best. Uh, Elizabeth asked this question. She says, do you, you recommend flotation suits, like a float suit? A hundred percent. I mean, if you can afford to, yeah, like if you can afford to buy one, 100%, I wouldn't even tell you twice. I'd say buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually bought one. My wife actually bought me one two years ago. She forced me to buy one. I was happy because she, <laughs> she had the fear of me falling in. So I said yeah. to her, well, you can buy me a nice suit. I know it. Is, they are expensive. They're not cheap. But mm-hmm. if you spend, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars and it ends up saving your life. That's not a lot of money at all. (laughs) 
It's on my list of things to buy. In in the meantime, because I haven't built a Fortnite, just a quick question for you, Drew. Uh, I have worn a life jacket underneath my um, underneath my coat. Is that now it at prize flotation, but it doesn't have the same like waterproofness, and it's not a dry suit, anyways. But you're gonna get you're gonna get cold and frozen a lot faster, I think. If yeah, I think like yeah, mm. like it'll keep you upright and stuff, which is great, but. I think you're going to get a lot colder, a lot quicker. So I catch Dinks ask this question. He says, when's the best part of winter to catch the Mondos or the big fish, I guess. On early ice, if you can be one of the first guys out there, like me, generally, I'm one of the first dudes every year on Kuchiching. I usually spot out on two to two and a half inches. Um, If you can get out there before the crowds hit, you can get onto some beautiful perch, some big, beautiful perch. It's crazy. But also, like you said, make sure you have a spud bar when you do that. <laughs> and maybe a float suit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Safety. Our buddy uh, at the Morning Voice, he says, how important is a shelter when getting started ice fishing? Uh, it d- depends on your daily temperature. If you're a guy who doesn't mind cold weather, if you can chill on a bucket in minus 20 or 25, that's great. But if you're someone who's not huge on cold, it's pretty important to spend the 250 bucks I- Canadian tire on a little Rapala two-man hide or something, right? We found, we did that a long time. We, yeah. we did the whole bucket, sit on a bucket kind of deal. And most of the time, unless it's, you know, freezing cold, you can usually survive, no problem. But we did find after getting yeah. a little high yeah. uh, and, and a heater inside of it, especially, it does make a big difference yeah. as to how long you can be comfortable, which, you know, being uncomfortable is the main thing that sends you home is you get cold and your toes get cold. So exactly. if, again... Like I say to people, yep. buy if you can afford it or if you can save up for next year and save a, a few bucks every month to get a hut, I would recommend it. It is nice to have. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Here's another one from that Maltese guy. He said, for ice, if you had to pick either an underwater camera or a live scope, which would you pick and why? I pick underwater camera and I, yeah, and I use it for lake trail because honestly, I would want to just, I'd want to watch them eat and I want to see what they're doing. I want to see the direction they're coming from. And I know you can do all that on the live scope too, but the underwater camera, I feel like just having, just watching her swim right under your hole like that and being able to watch it is just, it's just incredible. (laughs) It's incredible. Yeah. And I think there is a slight price difference between an underwater camera and live scope. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) The live scope ice bundle is about, it's well over three grand. I think it's like almost four grand and you can get a decent underwater camera for about four or 500 bucks so i mean yeah yeah the other thing too is live live scope uh there is more and more talk about of it actually you know spooking fish if it's targeted right at them and the the odd thing is to have an underwater camera and put it down i have never seen a fish become shy of a camera in fact the bigger they come right up to it approach it they come right up to it (laughs) yeah a camera will not deter anything and there's a lot of talk that live scope may deter some fish so just from that point maybe the camera too here's another good question lip ripper 19 he says he's having a hard time finding winter crappie in the kortha area any suggestions for early ice locations like what kind of areas should you look for um at this time of year now you want to look for basins man you want to look like if you open up your local lake and you see there's one spot on your lake that's got a 30 foot bowl in it a basin in it the chances are the crappies are going to be just piled up in that basin because again they're they're looking for like just bugs and larvae and blood worms and just stupid things like that so they relate to those basins to the mud bottom the buggy bottom right so look for basins I actually was just watching that. Um, I don't know if you saw that new uncut angling YouTube video that just came out. I saw the first the first five minutes it was posted. He's one of my favorite human beings. Yeah. So they were just talking about finding crappie and, and Aaron the said the basin. same thing. He, yeah. He's like, find the deep basin. And yep. Andrew, if you didn't watch it, actually someone asked a question. They said, thoughts on the uncut angling's newest video. Basically what happened was, angling buzz which is like the linder brothers and them they did a video basically saying if you catch crappy in deep water like we're talking like 40 feet of water if you bring them up they're gonna die so you might as well just keep all of them that's basically what they were saying so what aaron weeb did on uncut angling is he did a test with live scope and he caught a bunch of crappy in like 40 feet of water and then 
he did a proper quick release and watched them swim all the way back down on his live scope. They all went back yeah. down, all 12 of them. They all went back down. The other people, their testing involved drilling a big hole in the ice and putting basically a big cage, mm. like a like a chain live well that went all the way down. And they'd throw the crappy in and be like, oh, they didn't swim down. But the testing was kind of yeah. flawed because crappy don't swim straight down. They kind of go on an angle. And the crappy were just like hitting the side of the net and they're just floating back up and all dying. So yeah. my thought is on yeah. that video... The testing was a bit flawed, as as a lot of scientific testing mm. is. Like, it's hard to get a very accurate, you know, they're like, oh, all the fish died, like 98% of them died. And in his test, they all survived or did so far when he saw them swim down. Who knows what happened after that? But it's good to see Aaron. He's such a, a talented angler. And when he talks, we listen. And it's good to have someone that's, you know, they're giving us information or something to think about. That's the way I feel about that video. We shouldn't believe everything we see initially, even if it's from so-called, you know, fishing industry standard people. Not us at all. Well, we're not really smart at all. <laughs> we're average. <laughs> hey, we, we never claim to be good. We're called average Ontario anglers. <laughs> anyway, those are the main questions. A lot of the other ones, like I said, we kind of covered in, in this discussion. And I was saying to Drew when we first started this podcast, like this today when we were just about to press record, I was like, man... It seems like not a lot of information because I kind of had an outline I sent to him, but I'm like, it's going to fill up fast. Yeah. Like right now we're, we're over an hour right now. So like, are we really, it's crazy. Yeah. Holy crap. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Isn't it crazy that, you know, just talking about fishing is, you know, time just flies when you do it, right? It does, man. It does. <laughs> but we, we really appreciate you coming on because again, like Andrew said, we, we don't have a ton, like we've been ice fishing for years, but like we don't have a ton of experience doing it. So it's always great. And, and to learn from someone who does it all the time, like we're not proud, like we're not going to be like, oh, we can't learn from other people. I think a lot of anglers do that. They kind of get their back up and they're like, I don't, I don't need to learn from someone else, but yeah, we're happy. And I know a lot of the, our listeners, it's the same thing. It's, it's great. It's great education, especially when guys like you are like, listen, like, I'll share with you what I know and I'm going to help you catch fish. Cause I know if someone is just getting into ice fishing and they listen to this podcast, they will have learned many things guaranteed. I hope so. They're going to go away from this. Yeah. I hope so. So again, we're going to link, um, Drew's Instagram account, which also has links to his guiding service as well down in the show notes. And if you do happen to book something with Drew, just make sure you let him know that you heard about him on our podcast. So yeah. it makes us, you know, look like we're awesome. <laughs> you guys are awesome. That that way he'll that way he'll agree to come back. He'll be like, ah, oh, I guess you know, a couple people came. I'll throw those guys <laughs> <up> again. And... <laughs> no, thank you guys so much. For, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Honestly, it's uh, it's such an honor, man, to be sitting here with you guys right now and chatting about this. This is great. So thank you very much. Thanks for your wisdom. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, as always, uh, everything will be down in the show notes and if you did again like i said if you did enjoy this episode send us a message and say you enjoyed it and we'll do similar episodes like this but as well if you enjoy this too send drew a message and just say thanks for the information and for his time as well because we're definitely not paying him he's just doing mm -hmm. this because he's a nice guy wait i'm not getting paid <laughs> delete delete <laughs> <laughs> so i know andrew has some like housekeeping right now boring i know you can everyone can zone out for the next five minutes I'm just kidding. It won't be that long, but we, uh, we want to say a big thank you to all our, uh, you know, followers or subscribers and especially to our Patreon members. Uh, we have, we mentioned in the last episode that this year we are going to be having uh, a bunch more awesome giveaways for this year. The difference is the giveaways will only be for our Patreon members. Uh, we talked about it before. It's if you don't want Patreon is a quick Google search is not a problem. Jesse also has a link to it right below the video or below the podcast you're listening to. And that is your way that you can actually then be automatically entered into every single giveaway that we're doing. So the we're going to have a, a few. Jesse already has some of them lined up and I'm not going to spoil anything, but they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're actually really good this year. Yeah. So, yeah, because last year, you know, they weren't. No, I'm just kidding. Last year was awesome. No, we had last some year was awesome. So we have yeah. some, we have some returning. We have some new ones. So make sure that you are are applicable for that by joining the Patreon if if you are able to do so. Uh, if not, 
we love getting feedback. We love getting uh, some ratings. We love getting reviews, whatever you'd like to do. And as always, you can reach us at Average Ontario Anglers on Instagram. You can always shoot us out on our uh, private accounts if you want to talk to us as well. There's uh, AOA underscore Andrew and Jesse's as well, which is the underscore real underscore Jesse. So we want to thank everyone for, for listening again. And before we sign off, we have the quote of the week, which is going to be handled by Drew. Oh, so you're going to finish that off for us, Drew. What's the what's the quote of the week? Uh, quote of the week. Bring your spud bar wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs>